Welcome to the Passel Podcast, CMO Series. In the past few years, the world has experienced an accelerated shift to digital, and this has presented new opportunities for professional service marketeers. Consequently, the way content is consumed has also changed, and clients are increasingly expect more personalized, up-to-the-moment content that is delivered when they need it. To discuss in more detail the importance of effective marketing, we have the pleasure of welcoming Judith McKay, Chief Client and Innovation Officer at leading Canadian law firm, McCarthy Tatrell. Hi, Judith. How are you doing today? Hey, Charles. I'm doing great. Wonderful. Yeah. And you're dialing in from Toronto, is it today? That's right. That's right. It's a beautiful, warm, uh, early, early spring day today in Toronto. Fantastic, fantastic, and the joys of modern technology. I'm, I'm obviously recording this from my my home in the UK. Now, Judith, you are a engineer and IP lawyer by training, also a, a very talented artist, as you're just showing me some of your your pictures. <laughs> but to, to kick things off, would you mind telling us a bit more about how you became the chief client and innovation officer at McCarthy Tatrell? Yeah, absolutely happy to, Charles. And, you know, I, I, as you said, I did practice briefly as a chemical engineer. Then I became an IP lawyer and I actually practiced for a while at McCarthy Tatro before I went in-house, ultimately working as a general counsel and chief administrative officer for DuPont Canada um, and subsequently being transferred to the U.S. to be a GC for a global division of DuPont based in the Midwest. Um, after a decade as a general counsel, I wanted to come home to Canada, and I also thought I'd like to do something different. I'd like to take all of my varied background and really help transform an organization on a bigger scale. So coming from the client's shoes as a former corporate executive, I wanted to make sure that I was going somewhere, um, ideally a law firm, that really gets it, somewhere that holds the same values as me is progressive and really understands the client's business from all angles. So I joined McCarthy, Tatro, and the firm has certainly lived up to the promise of putting clients at the forefront of everything we do. At McCarthy, client service is something that we live and breathe every day at all levels, from leadership to our professional staff. We're a top-tier firm, and our clients rightly expect top-tier service. So how do we do this and keep raising the bar? We're investing heavily in enhancing our client service delivery across the firm. It all boils down to client service. And as someone who came from the client's shoes, this is something really important to me. And do you think that um, obviously your role as a GC, you you know what um, your clients sort of expect from that client service. Does that give you a a, a sort of a unique perspective? And and it means that you're able to sort of guide McCarthy Tatro in what they're doing and say, actually, this is what those GCs once because I was I was in their shoes a, a few years ago. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think it it has been very helpful to the firm um, in terms of not only my own experience, but I regularly interact with GCs in the market um, and hear what's working for them, what's not, and what we can do better. And also, you know, within the firm, of course, we have many champions who seek to understand the client experience and that are like-minded. And, and then we have the benefit of um, all kinds of client feedback that we can collect through Chambers or Thompson Reuters Market Insights 
uh, or through our own firm, Net Promoter Score program, that, that gives us a pulse on how clients think about us, how they think about the competition and, you know, what we need to do to continuously get better at meeting their needs. And a big part of that um, client service that we hear is, is keeping your clients up to date. And obviously, one of the great ways you can do that is through content. And that's a, the theme of today's podcast. Um, so in terms of uh, today's market and the post-pandemic world, what does the content marketing landscape look like for professional service firms? The pandemic really accelerated, I think, a direction that legal content marketing was already going, which is, you know, that our clients, um, you know, not only make their buy decisions uh, on on the basis of face-to-face encounters uh, with our lawyers, but also through interacting with our content, which can build the credibility of our partners in those areas where clients need help uh, and also uh, build the brand of the firm. And what we noticed during the pandemic is we continuously collected data to understand what was happening. Um, Because of course, during the pandemic, there was very little or almost no face-to-face contact and people were just adapting to connecting over Teams and Zoom. So, you know, written content uh, on our website and social media and our blogs and articles uh, and webinars became, you know, an extremely important outlet. And so, you know, looking at the data, the engagement with our website went up orders of magnitude. The engagement with our content went up orders of magnitude. And we had, you know, huge participation at our webinars. And, and, as, and we noted a similar effect for our competitors too. And so, you know, we looked at how do we capitalize on that? So we went and talked to a bunch of clients to say, you know, how can we better serve you during this unprecedented time? And they all said, look, we're just, we're interacting a lot with content, but we're also inundated with content. And we really need it to be easier to digest. Um, So we did things like develop a, a hub where we kept all the COVID-related content, uh, had a weekly newsletter that went out to clients because they said they wanted the information consolidated. And we made a, a number of changes like that. Um, interestingly, post-COVID, we've also been looking at interactions. And although it's not at the peak of what it was during COVID, the interaction with our digital content is higher than it was pre-COVID. So, so there's a sort of a change in habits of where people are getting their information and where they're making their buy decisions um, that COVID accelerated. Um, so because of that, we've continued to double down on our digital content. So it seems like there, there was this shift that was created um, by the pandemic, but that didn't sort of finish when, when uh, things started to ease off. It, it sounds like um, the landscape has, has changed for good. Um, so what extent do you think firms in general are adjusting to this change in landscape and that shift? You know, I, I can't, I can sort of generalize what we're doing as opposed to necessarily knowing uh, what other firms are doing. But certainly what we've observed is, you know, a, a greater focus on content, a greater focus on assembling content and distributing content according to clients' interests and preferences um, so that uh, we can collectively provide a better service to clients 
and make sure they get what they need to know. Um, you know, having been a general counsel, um, you know, it's a very demanding role. You're an executive. You're also a leader of the team, um, but you also kind of have to stay ahead of the legal developments um, to kind of guide your team. And but you don't have a lot of time to sit around and read the case law and all the complexities relating to that. And so you are reliant on law firm content to say, here's the things you should be worried about. Here's what you should be thinking about. And a lot of clients tell us that it's really helpful to them if the relationship partner that they work with a lot sends them articles and says, hey, you, if you haven't seen this, you should be aware of this. And here's how I think it may impact your business. And how about we sit down and talk about it? Um, that is you know, very much appreciated um, when GCs are trying to cut through the noise of a huge volume of content out there. Well, that actually, um, I think you answered my next question because I, I was um, going to ask uh, what, what should people be doing to uh, ad- adapt to this landscape and shift? But what you're saying is really these GCs, they want to stay ahead of the curve. So really, as law firms, we just need to get what they need in front of them. Exactly. So maybe um, that that's the sort of general look. Have you got any real life examples of of, of things you've done at McCarthy Tatro um, and mm-hmm. the results that that have come from that? So you talked about um, collecting lots of data and, and acting on that. Have you got any other examples of of, of things you did um, or examples of effective content marketing? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so one of the things we did was more in response to lawyers within our firm, which was as everyone was uh, adjusting back to face-to-face interactions with clients, um, they wanted some help on, okay, what, what do we talk about? Um, you know, what, how do I stay current? So when I meet with a GC or an in-house counsel uh, or a business client, I'm up to speed on the areas they're going to be interested in um, and direct them to who might be able to help them in the firm if, if, I'm, if it's not my area of expertise. So we set up an internal kind of newsletter slash database with um, here's, the, here's the top um, developments in law that your client should be aware of. Here's things going on at the firm your clients might be interested in. Here's some um, new legislation that might impact them. Here's some other developments in the law that could be of interest. And that has been really well received within the firm um, so that when people are having coffees and dinners, et cetera, with the client, they can, they can quickly look at, here's some things my client needs to know that we can have a con- uh, an informed conversation around. So, so once we did that, we thought, well, it's not actually very hard to turn this internal program into a newsletter So for clients. Um, so we've actually um, taken some of that and converted into a client-facing newsletter. And, um, you know, it has headlines and, it, and, it's, and it's every month and it's whatever are the, the big impactful things from a broad range of areas that affect our clients. You know, it could be everything from supply chain to employment law issues to contracting issues to uh, uh, an instructive precedent-setting litigation um, situation. And we kind of have it in 
you know, headlines and sort of bite-sized information. And if they want a deeper dive, they can click into a full article. And we've seen the readership of that steadily climb as clients realize what a um, you know, very readable and digestible source that is of things not only they need to know, but that they can make sure their executive team is aware of and, and their and their in-house team. That's that's that sounds a really um a successful um I guess that wasn't the the, the that external client facing piece was a a sort of a product of of doing that internal um exercise of assisting the lawyers and making sure they're up to date with the the new developments and the top developments in their area so would would it be fair to say a big part of the starting point of that was just making it as easy as possible for your lawyers and um, to stay in the know exactly lawyers in a law firm it's very analogous to our clients in the sense that um you know everyone has their area of expertise and you know developments in the law can happen so quickly Sometimes it's hard to just keep up with what's going on in your own area, but we know clients aren't facing issues in isolation. You know, they, I always say clients don't have legal issues. They have business issues that happen to have a legal implication to them. And so it's rare that a real issue a client's facing is just one, you know, siloed area of law. Usually it requires a broader solution. And so enabling our lawyers to not, you know, to efficiently digest what's going on in other areas of law that impact our clients' businesses um, helps them to be able to connect the dots with their colleagues uh, and with the clients to come up with collaborative and sophisticated solutions. So we touched on it earlier, um, this idea of using the data and using feedback. Um, And I just wanted to, to ask how important is leveraging the feedback and data on thought leadership at an account level but also at that strategic level yeah it's i think it's increasingly important Uh, and as the data that we're able to get gets better um the more important or more valuable it'll become so you know interestingly today um we can you know look at an account level and say what you know what events are are the clients at this account attending who's attending, what are they reading, what kind of matters are they working on with us, you know, really understand um, their needs. Then we can look at, okay, what's, what articles are, are trending that um, cover an area of law that we think has or will have an impact on their business? Should, you know, can we share those with them? Can we offer to help them? Um, so it, it helps us be proactive in a way that our clients tell us they they want us to be you know they want they they really appreciate the responsiveness of law firms um, but they also want us to be proactive and help them ward off um, issues on the horizon before they happen um, and data can really play a strong role in helping us do that brill yeah so you talk about this this idea of proactive and being responsive seeing those issues on the horizon can you think of any examples or have you got any examples where that data or client feedback has has led to notable changes or pivots in the type of content that the firm has produced or the way that it's distributed so i'll I'll give an an example of you know um major regulation um like bill 64 where um 
knowing this is coming and, and um, that, that there is intense interest in our clients on um, how to prepare and how to comply, you know, we worked with our partners to create uh, a plethora of content and information and solutions um, so that we could help our clients navigate what is a, you know, a very um, complex and evolving area. Real. And we've come to that point in the podcast where we like to do a quick fire round. So if you're happy, Judith, we're going to fire you a few questions um, and you've got to give us your first answer that, that comes to your head. <laughs> Sounds great. Okay. Question one, what's your favorite business and non-business book? Um, oh, wow. Okay. Well, my, my uh, favorite business book is the, the, uh, the Netflix story, uh, No Rules Rules. And uh, nonfiction, I, I always love the classics, so I would probably go with anything Dickens wrote. Brilliant. Or, or uh, Emily Bronte or a- anyone of that era. Okay. Um, what was your first job? My first job was in a cherry factory. <laughs> okay, I wasn't expecting that. And quality control <laughs> when so- I was 15. <laughs> So tasting them, making sure they're all up to scratch. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. <laughs> Sounds fantastic. Didn't like cherries for a very long time after that. <laughs> <laughs> what makes you happy at work? The people. Uh, I'm very, very fortunate to work with such great people in a, in a, in a very collaborative, positive culture. That's a, that's a lovely answer. And um, what are you listening to at the moment? This could be a podcast, music, audio book. Uh, well, I just love Harry Styles, so I've probably listened to a lot of um, pop music. I wasn't expecting that. A bit of <laughs> Harry Styles. Yes. I, well, I, you know, he he draws in so many different genres of music um, from the 70s and 80s and 90s. And so there's just I just find that very creative and enjoyable. And he's just a likable guy as well, isn't he? Yes, he is. he's amazing. And um, where is your favorite place to visit and why? My cottage, because it's my happy place. Fantastic. Um, and then finally, this is a final question, actually, the, the, the quick fire round is over. So you can, you can have a little <laughs> think about the answer to this. Um, but we like to finish all podcasts in this way. It's essentially asking you, what would be your one piece of advice for any marketing and BD professionals looking to take a more effective client-focused approach to their content marketing? Ask questions and listen to your clients um, and understand what they really want, um, what works and what doesn't, and what's most helpful to them. And, you know, either do that directly to clients or through um, the lawyers at at your firm, but really make sure everyone's listening to the clients because that's the whole purpose for doing this. Um, And so if if it's not resonating with them, um, query whether we're putting our energy in the right place that that sounds like a very simple and effective way but i guess sometimes we 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 may forget to do that but actually yeah ask the questions listen to what people are saying and then act on it yeah no the 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 best solutions are the simplest i like that that's a, a a perfect way to end the podcast well judith thanks for coming on sharing your insights there's certainly a lot for us to go away and think about and so once again thanks for coming on and um have a fantastic 2023 and I hope it's filled with smiles, success and plenty of Harry Styles. (laughs) Thank you, Charles.